The election's over. Donald Trump is the president-elect, and many are saying this is a repudiation of the media and the elite, a way of pouring hatred on them like gasoline, then torching the hatred with the match of our anger, then watching as they go running from the New York Times building in flames and jump in the Hudson River to put themselves out, and then float out into New York Harbor while we pelt them with rotten vegetables, and then wave to them as they drift out to sea, and then go home and laugh about it. Many are saying this is a repudiation of the Obama administration, a way of saying to the president, hey, Barack, if you like your legacy, you can keep your legacy. Oops, no, you can't. Sorry, because everything you accomplished with a pen can be struck out with a pen, and everything you accomplished legislatively, oh, but wait, you didn't accomplish anything legislatively, so never mind about that. Now, let's say you pack up your leftism, your executive orders, your hectoring speeches, and your hatred of the country that gave you everything you have, and go jump in the river so we can pelt you with rotten vegetables and watch you drift out to sea, then go home and laugh about it. Still, others are saying that this is a gratifying failure for Hillary Clinton, that she corrupted every institution she touched in her ravening hunger for power, that she lied to us, enriched herself off our public offices, that she emptied herself of every principle to win the highest political prize, only to have it snatched, snatched from her clawed grasp so that we can not only breathe in her despair like a fresh perfume, but drink her tears like golden wine and dine on her suffering as if it were a rich, creamy chocolate cake or maybe a nice breached Hillary suffering cheese spread on a Ritz cracker of her despair with a wine of her tears on the side, whichever you prefer. But I say it's time to put the divisiveness aside and join together in our common goal, revenge. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Shape dipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! You wouldn't believe me when I said that things were tickety boo, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had, I'm sorry I had to dash that opening off. It was not my usual well-crafted uh, opening, but I, but I did uh, want to say something. It's a, I, I, you know, it's a good day. We have our little meme that we made, <laughs> Donald Trump sign on the Wicked Witch. Wow, wow, what a day. We're all exhausted. We were here, I think, eight and a half hours. We were on the air live <laughs> yesterday, which was amazing. I am I am feeling really good. I got to tell you, you know, I have never uh, been dishonest about my feelings about our president-elect, Donald J. Trump. I have uh, misgivings about him, but this is the, the way I feel about it is this. Whatever he's done that's wrong, whatever he said that I didn't like, whatever uh, record he has, he has not ever worked for me until now. Now he works for me. Now he is on my payroll, starting today and the things that he does. These are the things that I get to judge him on because these are the things that I'm paying for and that he does on my dime. As far as I'm concerned, it's a blank page. No evil thing is written on this page. Not one evil thing is written on this page. Every day is a day. And do I have fears? Yes. But I also uh, have a lot of hope for what's going to happen. I hope that uh, we'll have a more constitutional Supreme Court. I hope we'll have an, ex uh, an end to all the executive orders that we had from Obama, including the... Uh, the amnesty. I hope uh, we will have an end to Obamacare, which is crushing people. I hope we'll have lower and simpler taxes. I hope we'll have less regulation. Uh, I'm not an isolationist, which I Trump has isolationist um, tendencies. But on the other hand, 
George W. Bush had a little bit of uh, world-building tendencies, and that has never been a conservative principle. Conservatives have always believed in a muscular uh, foreign policy, but a reticent foreign policy. Stay out of foreign wars if you can. Uh, you know, we all followed George W. Bush under terrible, terrible duress as he made a very, very big uh, leap into the world to try and uh, clean up the, the Middle East, a leap which ultimately has failed. Uh, as so far. And uh, if Donald Trump pulls that back a little bit, not a bad thing, not a bad thing. But I think the thing, the most thing, the biggest thing is we just have to savor the fact that I'll talk about this a little bit more as we start to look at some of these speeches, because these speeches from like Hillary's uh, concession speech and Barack Obama's speech are just coming in as I was coming into the office. So I, so, I, some of them I haven't even heard yet. Uh, and we'll go to those. But I just want to point out the election wasn't rigged. It wasn't widespread fraud. There's always a little fraud. There's a country of 300 million people. You know, 100 and I don't know what it ended up being, 160, how many people voted? I'm not, I'm not sure what the end numbers are yet. But, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't rigged. Uh, the money that we talked about, all the money, uh, brought, uh, Trump must have spent almost half the money, or raised almost half the money that, uh, that Hillary Clinton raised, had less of the ground game. All those things that we talk about didn't happen. I mean, this has been, this was a, an amazing achievement. It was a historic reversal. A, an histor I hate that word historic because they use, they use it about every single thing that happens. But it was an amazing feat that he took on. He took on the Republican establishment. He took on the left-wing establishment. He took on people like me who uh, were really doubtful about him. He took on, uh, you know, the media and uh, overturned them all on the strength of the people. And man, oh man, if you can not look at that and say, what a great country. First of all, this is the most entertaining country on earth. I mean, you know, it really is true. Freedom is entertaining. This is the one thing about it. Freedom is a million laughs. It's like the fact that, that nothing comes out the way you think it's going to come out, the fact that the people can just rise up and tell all these stuffed shirts in their offices and in their, you know, with all their opinions and their degrees and their awards, can just tell them, buzz off, you know, we don't care what you think, we're going to do this our way. That's a beautiful thing. And if you don't appreciate it on a moment like this, if you don't stop and just say for a minute, whoa, you know, this is cool, this is great, then what are you fighting for? If you're not enjoying it, what the hell are you fighting for? I mean, this is an amazing thing. Before we go into all these cuts, I, I just have to say one, make one personal comment. About a year and a half ago, I guess it was, we were, we were all doing this thing, Truth Revolt, maybe two years ago, it, and it got shut down. And Ben and Jeremy Boring, the god king of the Daily Wire, we were all doing this together, and it got shut down for reasons that don't matter. And the biggest fear that I had was that this election, which I just considered a momentous election, which, of course, didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look like, I was afraid that I would not have a voice in this election. I would not be able to say what I say, which, for whatever good that it does. It may only affect one person, uh, you know, but even that is, is, quite, uh, is quite an impressive thing to do and may only alleviate people's, uh, you know, make, make people laugh in moments of fear and despair, which is, is worthwhile. I, I'm so grateful to the people, uh, our, our overlords in Texas, uh, the Wilkes who have allowed me to do this and who have never, ever told me what to say or e even when I know they disagree with me, they've never shut me down in any way. Uh, I'm really grateful uh, to Jeremy Boring uh, for the work he does putting this place together. 
Uh, it has he has done done such an amazing job building the Daily Wire, which really springs in a lot of ways out of his head, like uh, Venus from the head of Zeus. Uh, it, it's uh, is it Athena? Maybe it's Athena from the head of Zeus. Uh, and yeah, it is Athena from the head of Zeus. It's uh, it's an amazing thing that he has done, and I am honored. Uh, I, I'm honored. If, if any of you listening to this, if any of you ever tell him I said this, I'll call you a liar, but I'm honored to be working with Ben Shapiro. Uh, we were here eight hours, and I just had a chance to marvel at what a uh, terrific, you know, it's, he's a great broadcaster. That's a, a gift he has, and he's learned from, he's learned to do it better and better. But he's also got a man of substance and principle, and that, to me, is one of the joys of my life, is working with people uh, and knowing people of integrity. That, to me, is a great thing, and I just love it. And some of you may say, well, as he himself said, well, he got it wrong on the numbers, but uh, getting things wrong is not a sin, and it's not a disease, and you don't die from it. And uh, I, I can speak from experience, because I was wrong, I think, 1967 it was? Yeah, yeah. We were all so wrong, so wrong so often in this election. And you know what that should tell you? That should tell you, right, the future isn't written, and we don't know it past a minute, you know, a minute. All this stuff about, I always make fun of the global warming guys with their computer models because there's so many variables. This is true in politics, it's true in life, it's true in every single moment that you're here. And the result of that, that means on any average day, because you don't know what's coming, on any average day, your hopes are just as justifiable as your fears. It doesn't mean you should ignore your fears. It doesn't mean you shouldn't look, you know, look forward and try and dodge the bad things in life, which is that's why you have fears. That's what they're there for. But you live into your hopes. You live into your hopes. And I think I'm living into the hope of this new administration with all its uh, fun hilarity and, uh, and all the things we're going to get to make jokes about. I, I'm living into the hopes of that. And I have hopes. I know one of the big fears around here and uh, uh, among conservatives is that conservatism is going to be left in the dust. I have hopes that as we support Donald Trump from the right and as we oppose Donald Trump from the right, a new conservatism is going to come about where we start to join with some people who maybe we wouldn't have thought we would join with before, a new conservatism that's going to include all these people who felt left out of the old conservatism and it's going to maybe not be the perfect, pristine, theoretical conservatism that we all love, but it's going to be something new and useful that is going to uh, have worth in this uh, in this new field that Donald Trump has essentially brought brought into life. It really is a, a different world in a way. It's not, you know, don't listen to the triumphalism. It's not a miracle. It's not, you know, the, everything is transformed forever. This is an endless football game. It is an eternal football game between freedom and slavery. I would say that we just scored a first down in this endless uh, football game for freedom. Hurrah. You know, it, they're going to score f first downs. We're going to score goals. They're going to score goals. It's all going to be like that. It's every blade of grass. We fight over every blade of grass. It is totally worthwhile. Let us take a look at Hillary Clinton's. We all uh, will play some of Trump's uh, uh, victory speech, but let's take a look. I haven't really seen this at some of Hillary Clinton's um, uh, defeat speech <laughs> this morning. Our campaign was never about one person or even one election. It was about the country we love and about building an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. We have seen that our nation is more deeply divided than we thought. But I still believe in America, and I always will. You know, whenever um, candidates give these speeches, these concession speeches is the word I'm looking for. You're going to have to forgive me. Like, I'm working on about an hour of sleep. Uh, we always, whenever we see these candidates give concession speeches, everybody always says the same thing. Boy, if she talked like that, that through the race, 
she would have won. It is, everybody says this whenever anybody gives a concession speech. And that is because defeat is humbling and humility uh, is kind of a nice thing. You know, it's a good thing. Uh, this is a woman whose every dream, I mean, you look at her face. I don't know if they can see the, the, her face. I mean, this is a woman whose every dream for her entire life just got smushed and just got shattered. And we have made fun of the fact that she has emptied herself out for, the, for this ambition, which ought to be a lesson to all of us. Uh, but, but, you know, everything that she has hoped for and worked for, every humiliation she has endured by her, from her husband, by Barack Obama, has just been multiplied a hundredfold. And yet, she's turning in this fairly decent and fairly open-hearted speech. Let's hear a little more. And to all the little girls who are watching this, Never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Bye. You know, one thing I have to say is her defeat, you know, the New York Times had their typical uh, graceless op-ed where they start out by saying this is a humbling rebuke of the media. It says in their op-ed, this is a humbling rebuke of the elite and the media, and then goes on to say, well, misogyny played a role. You know, <laughs> you think like, hey, if, you're, if it was a humbling rebuke, be humbled. Be humbled. Yeah. Because you know what? Misogyny played no role in this. Women, you know, turned out, you know, what, what, is, what are some of the numbers here? Uh, the exit from the exit polls, these will get better as we go along. Uh, among white voters, Clinton only won among women with a college degree by a 51 to 45 percent margin. And, and you know what that means. Don't let your daughters go to college <laughs> because it makes, them, it makes them stupid. But actually, you know, um, from, from whites, uh, surprisingly, given all the attention to Trump's attitudes and behavior toward women, he did virtually as well among white Republican women, 91% support, as he did among white Republican men, 92% support. Clinton was more competitive among white independent women than men, losing to Trump by a 49 to 41% margin among independent women and by 57 to 31% among independent men. You know, I just don't think the fact that she, people would elect a woman, woman, and I think women know that. You know, with Barack Obama, I always knew that we would elect a black uh, guy, president. I don't think anybody really has any problem with that anymore, uh, and di or did before Bar Barack Obama was elected. But somehow the press convinced us that we had to prove ourselves to them. And this time they tried it again. We weren't buying it. We don't care what the press thinks. I think it's, it's very, very clear that their power uh, has, has been uh, lessened. You know, Really, it's re what's really important, and I talked about this a little bit last night because we talked about everything last night, including Dr. Strange. Uh, you know, the media's power has always been less than people fear, but it has always been increased by fear. That is, when we sit around and say, well, the press is going to say this and the press is going to say that, it doesn't matter unless you're afraid. And the people who are afraid are the guys in Congress and the guys in the Senate who aren't going to, you know, guys in the House who aren't going to shut down the government because they're so afraid that the press is going to blame them and then the people will blame them. Well, you know what? You fight the press. You don't, you know, that's the thing that Donald Trump did. He fought the press. I, I remember sitting here and laughing out loud when he said, you corrupt guys in the back rows. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, that was great stuff. And that resonated with people. And that is the stuff that the Republican establishment, the Republican uh, mainstream has not had the guts to do. And that is the power of the press. When that fear goes away, 
the press and their lies, and they do lie, and they then and then after they lie, they lie some more, and then they lie that they lied, and then they lie about lying about lying. They do that, but the power of those lies is, is the power of your fear that they'll be believed, and that is what I think Trump stood up to. Hey, we got to say goodbye, I think, to Facebook, do we not? Yeah. Yep. Goodbye, Facebook, and come on over, and YouTube, come on over to The Daily Wire. And boy, oh boy, if, if after watching last night, that, it was a good show. It was yeah. a good show for eight hours. After watching it, you don't subscribe. That's only one buck an hour. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, a lousy buck an hour. And if you subscribe for a year, you get Ben's novel, which is really good. I, I think I once called it True Alliance. It's True Allegiance. But I have read it, and it is incredibly entertaining and really fun. Uh, you get that. You get a, If you subscribe for a year, I think you also get a month free. Anyway, do it. But come on over to The Daily Wire and listen to the rest for now. I forgot to mention at the top of this that I'm putting off the mailbag because it's such a, a huge day. I'll put it off till tomorrow, so if you still have some uh, mailbag questions, send them on in. We've got another day to send them in. Let's uh, take a listen to Barack Obama, who, as I was coming on the air, uh, gave his speech. Uh, let's hear what he had to say. Everybody is sad when their side loses an election. But the day after, we have to remember that we're actually all on one team. This is an intramural scrimmage. We're not Democrats first. We're not Republicans first. We are Americans first. We're patriots first. We all want, want what's best for this country. That's what I heard in Mr. Trump's remarks last night. That's what I heard when I spoke to him uh, directly. And I was heartened by that. That's what the country needs a sense of unity, a sense of inclusion, a respect for our institutions, our way of life, rule of law, and a respect for each other. You know, this it really is remarkable, and we don't we don't really appreciate it enough. Here is a guy who really just got kicked in the chops. I mean, th think about this for a minute, because I've been arguing for a long time that Barack Obama's presidency has been a failure, and everybody has been saying, no, he's transformed America. He said he was going to, uh, you know, essentially transform America, and he did, and he succeeded, and all this stuff. Let's think about this for a minute. Let it, let's think about this. Almost everything he did is an executive order that can be erased with one of those little, you know, red rubber erasers that you have. Obamacare is in collapse. His foreign policy is a mess. If you look at the governorships, what do we own, like two-thirds of the governorships in the country are now Republican, state houses, Republican. Now we have a, we're going to have a Republican president, a Republican Senate, a Republican Congress. You know, he has not transformed this country. He has done a lot of things, and this country does change. It always changes. You know, nothing, nothing stays the same. Even if you go back and read the history of the Middle Ages, when things pretty much did stay the same, even then they changed a lot. You know, even then, a guy who came back a hundred years after he lived would not recognize the world. That's going to be true of this uh, country, especially now when things move so quickly. So he has been completely repudiated. This is people who came out of the woodwork. A lot of rural people came out and just said, you know what, Barack, pack your Barack's and get out of here. <laughs> Barack your Barack your bags and get out of here. And yet, 
And yet, this is the commander-in-chief of the military. He is not calling out the military. He is not telling you that the election was a fraud. They're not suing anybody. You know, we got to remember this, right? Because, you know, <laughs> again, if you're not appreciating this, you don't even know what we're fighting over. If you're not appreciating this, if you're not waking up this morning and saying, oh, my Lord, I won the lottery of life by getting born in a place where people don't kick down my door, where people don't drag me out and tell me my vote, you know, I better vote a certain way or I'm going to blow them out, up, where people don't get, you know, where Barack Obama doesn't get 97% uh, of the vote the way, he does, the way guys do in some of these uh, rigged election countries. It's important to remember because we're in this internet world where everybody is screaming all the time and the worst fears bubble up to the surface and it didn't happen and Obama is behaving the way we expect a president to behave. This is what we expect and the fact that we expect it is unexpected. The fact that we expect it is not to be taken lightly. Do we have a little bit more of the speech? That's all we got. All right. Well, then let's, in keeping with that, let's listen to President-elect Donald J. Trump. I can hardly get out. You know, last night we were talking about this, and I guess Bill Whittle said, you know, Trump is the president-elect, and Shapiro just cracked up, and he just lost it. And I thought to myself, you know, all this time Shapiro's been trying to get me to go dark. Now I've got Shapiro laughing, you know. <laughs> It's like he finally understands. It is, you know, until the guns come out, until the diseases start. It's a comedy, you know, every day is a day. All right, let's take a look at Donald Trump. The cut number three is the one I want to take. Well, first of all, let's, let's give Trump his moment to talk about Hillary, number one. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. She congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very hard-fought campaign. I mean, she, she fought very hard. Hillary has worked very long and very hard over a long period of time. And we owe her a major debt of gratitude for her service to our country. Boy, if he, if he can keep this Trump going for four years, we're in good shape. <laughs> this is the best Trump ever. Uh, you know, yesterday, Alison Camerata on uh, CNN had Kellyanne Conway on and asked her if Trump was going to pursue what so many people in the crowd have been cheering for, you know, sent, put her in jail. Is he going to appoint a special prosecutor? Uh, let's hear that. Let's cut number nine. Let's talk about Secretary Clinton and let's talk about some of Donald Trump's campaign promises. One of them was to appoint a special prosecutor to investigate Hillary Clinton. Is that going to happen? We didn't discuss that last night, and he did not discuss that with Hillary Clinton on the phone. <laughs> but, but, I mean, for voters who want to know whether or not there'll still be division or whether there'll be unity, that was one that was a real rallying cry for some of his supporters and a battle cry for him. And I think that this morning, you know, Democrats, obviously, are waking up somewhat despondent and they want to know what to expect. Do you expect that those sorts of investigations from Donald Trump will continue? Well, on your point of we need unity, that was precisely the thing of, of Trump's uh, victory speech last night, Allison. He, made, he, went, he went way out to, uh, to make sure everybody heard him loudly and clearly that he will be the president for all Americans. Uh, you know, so basically she's, I, I think she's kind of saying no. She obviously doesn't know. She doesn't uh, but I, I think, I, my guess, no way. You know, I think he said to the people, this is the way to prosecute her is to vote her. You've got the vote. I think they, that 
uh, judgment has come down very clearly. And the word out is that he, I mean, this is very, very encouraging, is that he's going to appoint Newt Gingrich, Secretary of State, which talk about drain the swamp. There is a guy who is totally, totally capable of draining the swamp, that great pick for Secretary of State. And my favorite, I'm a big Rudy Giuliani fan. I, you know, it's funny. It's funny. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, he's, you know, he's got a lot of liberal tendencies which put conservatives off. I like him because I feel that he is a genuinely honest man. And I think if he makes him attorney general, remember, if he makes him attorney general, that's supposed to be a non-political place, a uh, non-political appointment. Loretta Lynch has turned it into this blandly sinister uh, political operation like a Chicago Democrat machine. But I think that if Giuliani is in there, that is another drain-the-swamp move. And uh, we can look forward to him acting independently and acting over the rule of law. It, You know, I know that it would be just for Hillary Clinton to be prosecuted, that doesn't mean it would necessarily be good, good for the country. Uh, this this feeling that everybody is talking about where we're all together, this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. I know that people get angry. I heard Hannity saying, oh, you know, Donald Trump should start a civil war with Paul Ryan. Not the way to go, in my opinion. The way to go is always to start a, as much as you can, bringing the country together, doing the things that that he, you know, part of the problem we have is that we're so divided and so divided over things that really we could be brought together over if we just sat down and talked about it. Here is Donald Trump, number three, talking about what he plans to do. Really interesting part of his speech. We are going to fix our inner cities and rebuild our highways, bridges, tunnels, airports, schools, hospitals. We're going to rebuild our infrastructure, which will become, by the way, second to none. And we will put millions of our people to work as we rebuild it. We will also finally take care of our great veterans. We've been so loyal, and I've gotten to know so many over this 18-month journey. The time I've spent with them during this campaign has been among my greatest honors. Our veterans are incredible people. We will embark upon a project of national growth and renewal. I will harness the creative talents of our people, and we will call upon the best and brightest to leverage their tremendous talent for the benefit of all. It's going to happen. We have a great economic plan. We will double our growth and have the strongest economy anywhere in the world. At the same time, we will get along with all other nations willing to get along with us. We will be. We'll have great relationships. We expect to have great, great relationships. No dream is too big. No challenge is too great. Nothing we want for our future is beyond our reach. Now, great speech, but notice anything missing? Anything missing? Wall? Well, <laughs> what happened to the wall? The wall disappeared. The wall melted. It was like the melting wall. It's suddenly like gone. The wall was gone. Drain the swamp was gone. All these things. Now, obviously, this is not the time. There's a time and a place for everything. But that was a speech by a guy trying to bring a divided country together. It was a great speech. It was exactly what we want. Uh, you know, he, so far, so far, he's doing great. You know, <laughs> I think. and and you know, this is when I say when I say every day is a day. This is something I say to myself all the time. It means that you know your fears 
are just your fears, you know? I mean, your fears are not reality necessarily. Things, bad things happen, but every day is a day, and every day that a good thing happens is a day to celebrate. Let me end with stuff I like. I want to read a piece of this poem. I hope I can get through it. It always chokes me up. It's a poem by Langston Hughes. And Langston Hughes, great a black poet of the 20th century, uh, a you know social agitator for black rights, he was one of, one of the few minority artists who is as good as people say he is. He's a really great jazz poet. And the reason I thought of him was because he wrote a poem called Let America Be America Again, uh, like Make America Great Again, and it's kind of resonated with that. But it's, I can't read the whole thing. But let me read just a little bit of it, because what it does is it, it starts with a call for America, and then there's a little voice in parentheses that keeps complaining. He says, let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plane seeking a home where he himself is free. And then in parenthesis it says, America never was America to me. And he responds, say, who are you that mumbles in the dark? And who are you that draws your veil across the stars? And the answer is, I am the poor white, fooled and pushed apart. I'm the Negro, bearing slavery's scars. I'm the red man driven from the land. I'm the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a serf of kings, who dreamt the dream so strong, so brave, so true that even yet its mighty daring sings in every brick and stone, in every furrow turned that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home. For I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lee and torn from black Africa's strand, I came to build a homeland of the free. Oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet must be, the land where every man is free. The land, <laughs> I never can get through this poem. The land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me. Who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain must bring back our mighty dream again. Oh yes, I say it plain, America never was America to me, and yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states, and make America again. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. It's a great day, and we'll be back again tomorrow.